You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present the Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Health Hub. I'm Kathy Biasa, your host, and along with our producer, Alex Diaz, we would like to welcome you to our show. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Kathy, and good morning to our listeners. Everything good on your end? Yes, things are, things are moving along very well at the moment. Thank Excellent. you. Excellent. You're still busy, busy? Yes, yes, but it uh, comes with, with the territory, the job. So it's better to be busy and uh, preoccupied and rather than not be so can't complain well thank you and i do appreciate uh, the time you take to to chat with me at the beginning of the show i i love it oh it's a lot of fun for me too today's show is being taped uh so no opportunity for calling in but please do follow us on our social sites we are on instagram twitter and facebook and we are at the health hub rmc in all three locations and do feel free to email us at thh at radiomaria.ca if you have any questions for us And please do subscribe to our podcast. We are the Health Hub on iTunes, SoundCloud, and all your favorite podcast platforms. And you can also find our podcast on the Radio Maria Canada website, which is radiomaria.ca, and on my website, which is kathybiasse.com. So wearing a mask, Alex, is now a part of our lives for the foreseeable future. And this is, of course, to help limit the spread of COVID-19 and, um, you know, almost everybody that I know, everybody that I know is on board and it's, it's just something that we need to do right now. Some of us only have to wear them intermittently throughout the day, you know, going shopping or walking through a, a lobby or something, but there are many people who have to wear them daily for their job. And this has led um, many to experience breakouts across uh, their nose, cheek and chin area And this is referred to as mask acne or maskne because we seem to uh, shorten everything. Um, And this maskne is acne caused by friction, the rubbing of the skin um, against the mask, and this can cause occlusion or blockages of pores. Now, the mask is doing two things to to encourage this maskne. The first is that... um, it traps moisture, sweat, and oil, and dirt that's close uh, that's on our skin, and it keeps it close to our skin. And the rubbing of the mask causes small micro tears in the skin and inflammation. And and these two things um, combined allow bacteria to cross the the skin border, the the damaged skin, and this can lead to um, you know acne breakouts, inflammation. Uh, blockages of hair hair follicles it, it's really is a it's, it's an issue for a lot of people and um, you know I've seen it I've seen it at our house my daughter um, is one that has to wear a mask all day and I know she has it irritates her skin 
and it's just it's it goes with the territory for some people so it is a thing and it is caused by wearing the mask and it's not caused you know a lot of people who have acne um, feel that their skin is is dirty 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 and this is really not the case and in fact Research has shown that people who do have acne, you know, a regular acne, often their skin is very, very clean, very pristine. Um, so it's not, you know, this maskne is not an issue of you not cleaning your skin well. It's an issue, as I mentioned, uh, of the rubbing and this little micro environment that's created by the mask on your skin. So just a few suggestions for you um, if, if you are experiencing this and if you are someone who has to wear a mask uh, for a prolonged time during the day. Uh, change your mask. If it's a disposable mask, try and change it at least once a day. And this will, will you know, deter some of that buildup of bacteria in the mask. And if you're using a reusable one, wash it frequently. And wash it in gentle soap. I know we want to clean out the bacteria, but really harsh chemicals in your mask will be going onto your skin. So try and avoid that as much as possible. Do have a good cleansing routine uh, for your face. And again, your skin is being rubbed and aggravated already. So no harsh cleansers and creams. And it is recommended if you already have a good skincare routine to, to stick with it. So you, if, if, if you didn't have any trouble before you wore the mask, it's not your skin routine that's, that's causing the problem. So uh, check out what you're using, the products. Make sure they're very gentle on your skin because, again, your skin is being yeah. aggravated. Yeah, thank you for bringing this to our attention because, you know, we can take a lot for, for granted and misread the signs in terms of, uh, you know, uh, re react without understanding the causes. So yeah. perhaps, perhaps this is, you know, something that a lot of, a lot of our listeners are dealing with. So I think, I think so. You know, I've seen a lot of, of talked to a lot of people and have said that it really does irritate the skin. This is nothing new for the healthcare workers. I think this is something that obviously they've been dealing with for years and years, but for right. the vast majority of us who have never had to deal with masks, this is something that is a very unwelcomed side effect of wearing them. And it's important to take a break from that mask whenever you can. Uh, if you can get outside and just let your skin breathe for a bit, any tiny break that you are allowed to take would would be great. So, you know, we all hope that this will be over with sooner than later, but at the present moment, it's something that we are dealing with, many of us are dealing with, so we just have to get through it the best we can. So hopefully a, a few of those tips will be helpful for you. Our guest today is Dr. B.J. Fogg, and he is a behavior scientist at Stanford, where he directs research and innovation at the Behavior Design Lab. He also teaches his models and methods in graduate seminars. On the industry side, B.J. trains innovators to use his work so they can create solutions that influence behavior. The focus areas include health, sustainability, financial well-being, learning, productivity, and engagement. His early work on persuasive technology has informed the design of products that millions love and use every day, including Instagram, which was one of his students' uh, co-founding ideas. BJ created a new method of habit formation called Tiny Habits. Using his online platform and email, he has personally coached over 40,000 people in creating habits. Fortune magazine, Fortune magazine named BJ 
a new guru you should know for his insights about mobile and social networks. Some of the things, this was a very interesting uh, conversation with BJ. We talk about why traditionally um, behavior is so hard to change. What are the three components of behavior? And what are the tiny habits approach to behavior change? It was a wonderful conversation. And everybody, I hope you will stick around and join in and listen to what BJ and I have to say. We'll be back in a few minutes. I've been trying to run away from this false reality. No matter where I turn my back, you're always right in front of me. So I push you away, but I don't know that I'm wrong. I don't know the words to say. To make my faith that strong So I will pray to you right now Take away my sin Heal away my brokenness And change this heart again Without you I am nothing But a weak and dying man So I will pray to you right now And change this heart again What is going through the motions If my life is still the same Every day's the same old puzzle All the pieces rearranged And I refuse your help Out of my own selfish pride Lord, I have so many masks To cover up and hide So I will pray to you right now To take away my sin Come heal away my brokenness And change this heart again Without you I am nothing But a weak and a dying man So I will pray to you right now Come change this heart again So I will pray to you my Lord Change this heart again You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. As I mentioned earlier, this show is being taped, so unfortunately, no opportunity for calling in. But please do follow us on our social sites. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and we are at The Health Hub. RMC on all three places. Dr. Fogg, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. It's going to be a fun one. Yeah, I think we'll have a good time. Thank you for inviting me, Kathy. Oh, just a pleasure. Um, I, I, it's very interesting habits and so forth. It's such a tiny word and such a great big conundrum. So was it your own frustration with making and breaking habits that led you to your new book 
and to this line of study, or have you always enjoyed studying human behavior? <laughs> well, I, I think my answer is yes to all of those things. Okay. But the thing that really cued things up, lined things up uh, for the book, Tiny Habits, was me looking at my own, what I call the behavior model, which is a model that describes how any behavior works that I developed in 2007. And in 2009 and 10, I started looking at how I could use that model in my own life because I was pretty stressed out. Uh, Health-wise, I was kind of in a spot where I wasn't happy about the weight gain or my physical performance on things. And I was just like, man, if I don't change now, I'm not going to be able to turn the corner. So looking at my own work, my academic work, I realized that if I made a habit really, really, really easy to do, then I wouldn't have to depend on high levels of motivation. That's what my, what part of what my model shows. So I, I thought, well, I'm going to put this to a test in my own life. And it totally worked. And I could create all these habits quickly and easily. And I was like, this is crazy. Who knew that it could be this easy to create habits? So it was a combination of, one, the act academic work I'd done and the discoveries I'd done on just fundamental insights around human behavior, plus my own sense of, man, BJ, you better get it together. Um, now, it, it was not too late to change, but I certainly had that feeling at the time, like if I don't turn the corner now, I'm not going to make it. So that was the kind of in some ways the drive to start looking for ways to change that actually worked. So we're not talking, though, just about health habits, right? We're talking across-the-board habits that you can yes. change with your model. Yes. Yeah, so productivity, relationships, uh, getting out into nature. Uh, one of the areas that I've developed a lot in is music, playing musical instruments. It's just like any domain, whether it's a problem you're solving or an aspiration, like, wow, I want to be good enough to, like, you know, play this instrument in front of people and not be embarrassed. Habits can get you there. If you know how to create habits, it gives you a superpower of achieving these things. So it's not ever too late to teach an old dog new tricks? It's not. In fact, uh, I'm in Maui right now. One of my good friends is, she just turned 92, 92. And she's applying, she's been applying tiny habits for over a year now. I gave her an early, early version of my book. And she's changing and she has a wonderful life, but she's making it even better. So, so the, the sense I had of like, oh, it's going to be too late if I don't change now, I, I was wrong. Um, but there's really no reason to wait. Once you know that you can change your habits easily and quickly, there's no reason to procrastinate or delay or wait for a great moment. You just can put it into practice and start making progress right away. So we can move beyond this whole idea of neuroplasticity and the brains and connections and just work on little pieces step by step in order to change habits. Is that, is that what you're laying out for everybody? Yeah, I think so. I, I think it's encouraging for people to learn that our brains are much more uh, malleable than we thought, even at later stages, but that doesn't tell you what to do or how to achieve it. Mm -hmm. And so tiny habits is the way to get there. So um, the confidence that yes, your brain will adjust and adapt even at later stages of your life. And then here's how you do it. And one of the key things that I didn't know this, say 12 years ago, 
is that you change best by feeling good, not by feeling bad. So it's not about beating yourself up or feeling shame or discipline or feeling you don't have willpower. It is about creating habits that you want, being playful, making them really, really simple so you can succeed even on the worst of days. And like growing a garden with small plants, just keep the habits nurtured and they will grow and propagate. Well, therein lies a problem, right? We, for me anyways, you, you venture out trying to change something. Um, oftentimes it doesn't work. You say, okay, well now I really suck hard. And <laughs> when you, when you do, it's like, well, I should have been able to do this anyways. It's never like, yay me. It's, it's like, you know, that's <laughs> no, is that, that's not, you know, that's the way I am anyways. I don't know if a lot of well, people are like I, that. No, I, I, I think you're exactly right. And that's the audience for which I've written tiny habits for, because with tiny habits, it is yay me. It is that. And when you, a, a big part of the method, I call it mindset skills. And part of that is having the skill of saying, I don't have to be perfect. I'm okay doing like just flossing one tooth rather than all my teeth, mm -hmm. knowing that when a habit doesn't work out as you intended, that's not a character flaw. It's a design opportunity. So it's about designing habits into your life, not about having grit or willpower and forcing them to happen. And then, uh, so when things don't succeed, you see it as an opportunity and you know how to redesign it and you be playful. You know, there's no expectation that you're perfect in the process. Nobody is. And when you do succeed, even in the tiniest of ways, and this is the skill, is to be able to say, way to go, BJ, or good for me. Uh, and that is part of the method, those things. So our approach then to changing behavior is really uh, a complete design flaw because changing behavior and changing habits is so challenging. Again, I'm speaking from my own yeah. uh, stand here. Yeah. So, so challenging. Yes. Yeah, really look at this as a design cha challenge or a design opportunity, not a willpower issue or a character issue or like a worthiness issue. And, and there are two analogies I use a lot. One is the garden analogy, where you can think of your habits, your collection of habits is a garden, and you can either design that garden or you can ignore it and let weeds grow up, bad habits. So you might as well design it. And it doesn't mean that once you plant a plant somewhere that it's going to be there forever. You may decide it no longer serves you. So you evolve your habits over time, just like you would a garden. Um, and you can all... Sorry, go ahead. Finish your... And then another way to think about it is like designing a room. If you put a chair in the corner, like this is where my habit's going to be in my life and it doesn't fit and it doesn't work, fine, just move it somewhere. So just like you would in decorating a room, if a painting doesn't go in a place or a chair, you don't beat yourself up for lacking willpower or motivation. You go, oh, I learned something. Let me try it here. And that's very much the mindset of the tiny habits approach. Should we always be trying to cultivate uh, good habits? Uh, what I'm trying to get at is you don't just you know cherry pick here and there. Is 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 developing the habit of developing good habits <laughs> something that we should literally be working on every day? Um, part of me wants to say yes, and part of me wants to say no. So I'm going to say no, okay. um, because I I don't want it to come across like here's this other daily you should be doing, or you're not a good person. Use it 
yes, I want people to learn how to create habits quickly and easily, for sure. Then you use those skills when there's something that you want to apply it to. And it can feel like this. Um, driving a car at one point felt complicated and scary and people practice, but now you get in the car and you go from point A to point B. You hardly think about it. When you learn to create habits, and it's easier than you think, it's like, oh, I want to go from here to there. I want to, uh, you know, improve my sleep in these ways, or I want my primary relationship to get stronger, or I want to uh, just feel better in my own skin. You can go from point A to point B with the same kind of, uh, it's not scary, it's not hard. It's like you get in the car and you go from point A to point B. So that's what's ahead for people is, so I wouldn't say you do it every single day, you might, but I don't want to set that obligation. Instead, it's an opportunity for you to achieve whatever aspiration that you have. It's funny because developing habits and creating habits and routines are something that is a part of every person's life in one way, shape or form. <laughs> so how yeah. have we come, why do we need you to show us how to build habits properly? Where did we go wrong? What is the traditional way that we go about this that's constantly what? giving us angst? Yeah. That is such a great question. I can answer half of it. <laughs> I can answer the half of what you know what is the old stuff that doesn't work what i can't answer is how did we get there why did we even believe these things mattered i only can answer that partially but let me um, share some of the things that people commonly think that are actually misleading um, number one that habits are formed by repetition that you just have to repeat for 21 days or 66 mm -hmm. days or 108 days that's not how habits are formed. Habits are formed because of our emotional reaction to doing the behavior. It's emotions that wires it into the brain. And it is misleading and unhelpful to have people focus on repetition as the key. There, there are things that we've repeated thousands of times in our life that have not become habits. And there's some things we do just once and it becomes a habit, like give your daughter a mobile phone or your son a mobile phone. That habit's going to wire in quickly. So one is just the misdirection uh, that repetition is the key to habits. It's not, it's emotion. So you're designing, uh, you're trying to help yourself feel positive to wear in the habits. Number two, that habit change is difficult. People say that a lot. Oh, change is difficult. Well, some changes and some changes isn't, and there's a whole bunch in between. And when you have a good method to create habits, everything gets easier. So some change can be really easy to do. Uh, but then when you get into the world of addictions and that end of the spectrum, yes, that's tougher. But not all habits are hard to form or hard to change. Some are really easy. And the more you practice in the right way, the better you get. Next, uh, the idea that you must set a goal. Now, I'm going to offend some people here. Um, but the fact of the matter is... I think you're going to you liberate some people here. If not, liberate people. <laughs> the fact of the matter is you don't have to set a goal to change and create habits. <laughs> think of all the habits you have. You didn't write down a goal for the, you know, which side of the bed you sleep on or where you store your toothbrush. That was So habits can form without... Now, some people... Here's the keys, Kathy. So there's more... I'll just say this. Most of what you've kind of heard and grew up with about habits and... You, most of it's wrong, everybody. Sorry to say that. But most of it 
is wrong or partially not right. Here's the two things to really think about that look through these lenses. Number one, help yourself do what you already want to do. So, and I call that maxim number one, talk about it in my book. So pick habits that you want. Um, and if something like setting a goal helps you do what you want to do, then set a goal. But if setting a goal makes you afraid or makes you uh, feel like, oh my gosh, I'm just gonna fail on this, then don't set a goal. Um, accountability partners. If that helps you do what you want to do, do it. If that's the opposite, don't. Next, help yourself feel successful. So it's that feeling, that emotion, that wires in the habit, but also helps you keep going. So let's go back to those two things again. If writing a goal helps you feel successful, then write down a goal. If tracking every day helps you feel successful, then do it. If it doesn't help you feel successful, don't track. Accountability partner. If that helps you feel successful, do it. If it doesn't, don't do it. So it's these techniques and things that people have heard, like I said, are only partially helpful. But the two big things, and these are the two overriding keys to changing your behavior and transforming your life is to help yourself do what you already want to do and help yourself feel successful. And those are the overriding principles. So if any product or program does those two things, that's good for you. If they don't, if they miss on any one of those two things, don't do it. It's not a match for you. What does feeling successful feel like? <gasps> it's that feeling that you had when the teacher passed back an exam and it says 100% on it. It's that feeling when you cook a first kind of recipe in the oven and it smells awesome. It's that feeling when your child comes up and hugs you and says, man, you're the best mom. Okay. That emotion, that feeling of success and I studied this really hard and I called my academic friends who are experts, world experts in emotions. I couldn't find a name for it. And so I called people and I looked and looked and looked and looked and looked and finally concluded there was no word. So in the book, Tiny Habits, that feeling of success, I name it, I call it shine. So oh. shine is the feeling you have when you say 100% on the paper or when your kid hugs you or you smell that delicious new recipe cooking in the oven. That's shine. Shine and satisfaction. They kind of sound like the same thing. Is it because that we are, we're not used to going at things slowly, especially in this day and age? <laughs> too fast. Oh, now you're getting into the why. Well, how did we end up here? You know, we'll get, to, we'll I just, get to the good stuff right in the thick of the book at the next, in the yeah, next segment. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I just knew I grew up in a culture that was about uh, achievement, ongoing, uh, you know, being better every day and even being perfect, which probably from my parents' perspective, they probably thought it was wonderful. They were raising me and my seven siblings, six siblings in that way. But I look back now and I think that was really rather damaging mm -hmm. um, and that I really had to make a shift in how I thought about my life and that, and I think I haven't shared this before, Kathy, but I'll share this. Rather than striving for perfection, even now, even now, you know, of course I can create habits quickly and easily. I, I can have outcomes in business or my relationships or, you know, my hobbies. Uh, because I know how to apply the skills of habit formation, but nothing's perfect. And I've let go of that, that striving to be perfect. And I don't have a word for it, but I 
seem to recall sort of this Buddhist thing, you know, the way you know the sphere is perfect is that there is a nick in it. And so now, like I'm going out to the beach and the beach is beautiful, but there's a piece of litter on the beach. Rather than being upset by that, I'm like, that piece of litter reminds me how awesome all this is. So even in my own life, when there's something that, you know, isn't perfect and there's lots of things that aren't perfect, it's like that imperfection helps me see how great my life really is. So I turn that negative thing into something that helps me appreciate all that I do have or all that is actually given to us. Lovely. I think we're going to stop here and uh, take a little bit of a break. So everybody, we will be back in a couple of minutes. That the Lord of all the earth Would care to know my name Would care to feel my hurt Who am I That the bright and morning star Would choose to light the way For my ever-wandering heart Not because of who I am but because of what you've done Not because of what I've done But because of who you are I am a flower quickly fading Here today and gone tomorrow A wave tossed in the ocean Vapor in the wind Still you hear me when I'm calling Lord, you catch me when I'm falling And you told me who I am I am yours I am yours Who am I That the eyes that see my sin Would look on me me rise again. Who am I that the voice that calmed the sea would call out through the rain and calm the storm in me? Not because of who I am, but because of what you've done. Not because of what I've done. But because of who you are I am a flower quickly fading Here today and gone tomorrow A wave tossed in the ocean A vapor in the wind Still you hear me when I'm calling Lord, you catch me when I'm falling And you 
because of who I am, but because of what you've done, not because of what I've done, but because of who you are. I am a flower quickly fading, here today and gone tomorrow, a wave tossed in the ocean, a vapor in You are listening to The Health Hub, here on Radio Maria Canada, a Catholic voice wherever you are. To contact us and be a part of the show, email thh at radiomaria.ca. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. We're having a really fun conversation about the art of forming habits with Dr. B.J. Fogg. Now, before we get actually into the meat and potatoes of your book, I have some questions that I'm sort of interested. I'm going to be a little selfish here. Is, is your tiny steps approach good for breaking habits, breaking bad habits? Yes. Yes, it is. So primarily, when I developed the tiny habits method, it was for creating new habits in your life. But behavior is behavior. It will all come back to three components of my behavior model, motivation for the behavior, ability, and prompt. And you can take that and you can use the tiny habits method to untangle on one. So I don't talk about breaking habits. I talk about untangling. Um, and there's a chapter in the book, Tiny Habits, where I walk people step by step through that process. And... Oh my gosh, people, if you have the book, please look in the appendices. Mm -hmm. There are three pages there that I'm the most proud of in the entire book. And they're phase one, phase two, phase three of what I call a behavior change master plan. That's these flow charts that walk you through step by step. Try this. If this doesn't work, then do this. If it works, go here. If this doesn't work, go here. So just in just the step by step detail of how you use behavior design, and the tiny habits method to untangle unwanted habits that you have. In the book, you talk about elements of change, 
things that you need to, um, your behavior model, so to speak. Yeah. And motivation, ability, and a prompt. Am I correct in saying it? Yes. Those are the three yes. main things. Um, can you take us through each of those? I'm especially interested in the prompt one, but you know, give your full time to the motivation and ability. But uh, can you walk us through that? Because I think that that's kind of key. Yes. So the behavior model has those three components. And before I dig into them, this is a model that describes all behavior types for people of all ages and people in all cultures. It's a universal model. The individual differences come in, so there's three components. Motivation. What motivates me is different than motivates the nine-year-old girl that was surfing next to me this morning that motivates the 70-year-old guy that I said hi to on the street. But motivation is a component of any behavior we do. Next, ability. So there's individual differences in ability, but there's always how easy or hard the behavior is to do. That's always a factor. The third one is prompt. And let me give an example of this. Uh, let's say that one of the researchers in my Stanford lab wants me to meet him on Zoom for a meeting today. So do I have motivation to meet with that researcher? Yeah, probably. Do I have ability? Eh, it might be limited, okay? So, because my time's pretty tight. So I have, it's harder to do. And then third, the prompt is a reminder to meet with him or with her. So if I have motivation and ability and my researcher doesn't prompt me, doesn't say, hey, meet with me now and Zoom, and if I don't have a prompt in my calendar, then it won't happen, despite the fact that I have motivation and ability. But if I do get prompted at a moment when I have both motivation and ability, then you do the behavior. So those three components need to come together at the same moment for a behavior to happen. When we talk about stopping behaviors, it's the opposite. You want to reduce or remove motivation. You want to make it harder to do or remove the prompt. So it always comes, whether it's getting a behavior to happen, including a habit, or getting a behavior not to happen, including stopping a habit, it always comes back to those three levers. And that's what, you know, in the book, once I set there's a chapter on that, like how this works and, you know, giving real examples of real people of how they've understanding their behavior from the model. Then the next chapter is about motivation. The next chapter is about ability and the next chapter is about prompt. So I go deep into those topics to show how you can tap into motivation, how you can make things easier to do, how you can design prompts. Because, you know, it's like, it really is that straightforward. Every behavior that you do or other people do comes down to motivation, ability, prompt. And that's it. It's just those three things. You really have to look inside yourself because, you know, the the, the habit of, of flossing your teeth, one you're familiar with, um, <laughs> you know, we, we all may have to go about this in different ways. So what, what prompts you and motivates you is is extremely different from what may prompt your nine-year-old but it is the same steps you're saying so you have to figure out what's in these three areas figure out what makes you set yourself up for success so it's very individualistic even though the steps are the same yeah and then so in the tiny habits method builds off my behavior model it takes it even further so let's take flossing for example um 
If you don't want to floss, well then don't start with flossing as your habit. Pick that up later when you're more skilled. But let's imagine that somebody's like, oh my gosh, I really do want to keep my teeth. I want to keep them healthy. So there's some motivation already there. Next, make it easy to do. In tiny habits, you make it tiny. So instead of flossing all your teeth, which might seem tiny, guess what, it's not. You just floss one tooth. And in some cases, some people, all they do is tear off the floss. And if they actually floss teeth, then it's like a bonus. And so you make it, you set the bar, Kathy, you set the bar super, super low, like floss one tooth. And you can always do more when you want, but you don't raise the bar. It's not a requirement. Because if That's you raise hard. the bar, yeah, and, and that, that, yeah, that goes against our traditional thinking. It really of, does. Yeah. And, but that's part of the mindset uh, skills that I talked about earlier is you set the bar low, you keep it low, you can always floss all your teeth when you want, you can always walk for 30 minutes rather than just put on your shoes, but you look at the extra as extra credit and you say, you acknowledge that you're the kind of person that goes above and beyond the minimum and that itself can have a really big impact. Third, there needs to be a prompt for the habit. And the tiny habits method, rather than you using post-its or just your memory, you find a routine you already do to be your prompt. So for flossing, that's naturally brushing. So you use brushing to be the reminder to floss. So in the tiny habits way, you create this sentence that we call a recipe. It goes like this, after I brush, I will floss one tooth. And there you have it. That's your recipe. You, and that's what you've designed. If it works, keep going. If it doesn't work, then you redesign. You don't beat yourself up. You say, well, maybe there's a better place for flossing in my life. There's probably not for flossing, by the way. But for something like push-ups and something like uh, calling your mom, yes, there's many places that could fit. Tell us about the action line. <gasps> Action line. So if, if people imagine... I ex- love your enthusiasm, I have to say. I, Kathy, thank you for letting me share this because this is my life's work to share and teach people this. So this is just totally genuine. I love, love, love. So thank you. I mean, this is why I'm so happy to talk with you because sharing this, it just changes people's lives. They can get, they can let go of the old baggage and the guilt and the shame and the old ideas that don't work well and see that there's this better way, this new way that actually works and it works quickly and it makes you feel amazing. So I'm just, because I get emails every day from people thanking me, I know uh, right now we're helping people. So man, what was the question? (laughs) The action line, the action line. Action line. Okay, (laughs) this is a little bit geeky, but imagine X, Y coordinates, you know, like like you saw in you know algebra and stuff mm-hmm. and then there's a curved line and what the action line and this is the key for me uh seeing this is the action line is this curved line and if you map out where you are how much motivation do i have and how much ability i have those two things are like teammates if you have tons of motivation then you can do hard things. Even if your ability is low, you can do it. So let's say you're not very good at running five miles, 
but your two twin daughters had said, mommy, please, you got to run in this or at least walk in this because it helps my school do X, Y, Z. So even though your ability is low, if your motivation is high, you can do it. Now, if your motivation is not high, then you drop below that action line. Mm -hmm. On the flip side, when you look at the other side of the curved line, what you see is if the behavior is really easy to do, then your motivation can be high or low. And that was the insight I got for tiny habits. I looked at my own models like, man, if I make the habit really easy, then I don't have to be super motivated. Mm -hmm. uh, so for example, if your twin daughters say, hey mom, all you have to do is give us a can of baked beans to take to the raffle and you're helping my school. Well, that's not hard. You don't have to be super motivated. You just hand over the baked beans. So it helps you understand that if you've picked a difficult behavior to bring into your life, then you must keep your motivation level high. And guess what? That's unrealistic. That's not how human nature works. If you set the bar really low, then if you're super motivated, you do it. Even if your motivation drops, you still do it. So that then opened the door to me and go, oh my gosh, so I can be really consistent with my habits if I make them really, really easy to do. And the answer turns out, not only can I create, create habits quickly and easily, but now thousands and thousands of people are doing it. And it does really go against the tradition and traditional thinking, but this is the breakthrough. And that's the whole point of the book is like, there's this new way of thinking about behavior and designing habits. It's not what you've heard before. It's entirely new and it works and it's way easier than you think. And it makes you happy. I mean, because you just, not only do you feel good about flossing your teeth or walking or texting your mom every day, but that positive emotion ripples out to other aspects of your life and affects the people around you, your family, your workmates. Even when you're faced with a big challenge, that's not a habit, but a big challenge, because you've built more confidence in your ability to do things and your ability to change, just like, yeah, I can tackle this. So it just, and that's what the subtitle is about. Subtitle of the book is the small changes that change everything. It, you go from tiny to transformative and it's not a long process and it's not something that you have to be perked at. You just get started. Uh, you be nice to yourself all along the way and you recognize and let yourself feel good about your successes. It's funny. I, I picture myself, uh, you know, I'm looking and I'm, I'm trying to do and implement some of what you're saying. And I, I, I've tried a couple of things and I, I just stand back and I go, huh, you know, it, 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 that, that's just, it, it's, it really, it can be that easy. And it, it is, it's enlightening because you know what we all, I, I think we're all different, of course, but you're so used to having to take on so much and challenging yourself. And, and that's the way of the world these days. Um, we've sort of less, you know, left rest and relaxation in that time for, for gentleness yeah. with ourselves go. Um, it is, you, 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 I take a step back and I just go, huh, alrighty then. But yeah. I have a question. Um, is, is it okay? Like built into the model, uh, built into the way you are teaching people with, with habits forming and breaking. Is it okay to fail sometimes? Oh, you're going to. Yes, you're going to. It's absolutely okay. It's part of, here's how I think about it. And I talk about this a little in the book. When a baby is learning to walk, that baby is not perfect. That baby is going to take some steps and stumble. 
But as long as the baby gets up and keeps going, that baby, like billions of other human beings, will learn to walk and learn to walk quite well. And, and that's how to look at your quest to change in areas. You won't be perfect. You won't be Hussein Bolt day one. You'll be like a toddler learning to walk. And your little uh, stumbles, they won't be big because it's tiny. You know, the fact that you didn't floss one tooth one day, no big deal. Just do it the next day. So you're not taking big falls and you get better and better at it. So it one of the key phrases. So I, I have a few hundred people who are tiny habits coaches. They've trained with me and they're available. When people sign up for the free five-day program, one of these coaches helps you. So this is free. There's no hidden motive. It's just my way to provide value to the world for free. And one of the things the coaches will reiterate is it's not about perfection. You practice and you revise. So just like, you know, so the baby's practicing walking and, you know, slips and then gets up and keeps practicing and tries it a little differently that time. So there's no judgment that the baby stumbled. It's no, you just get up and you keep going. Uh, and then with time, you get better and better. So that's when with time, it's just like, oh, I want to go from point A to point B. You just do it without much thinking and without much problem. But getting to that point, just like learning to drive, you just didn't hop in a car and drive. You learned how to do it. And now it's like so automatic and second nature, you don't think about it. That's where you can be with creating habits. And, and to, to distinguish, we're not talking about creating skills. We're talking about creating habits. Two very, very different things, correct? It's a great question. With my coaches, we've had that discussion a lot. Yeah, and they're, they're different. They, there's some overlaps, and you can create the habit of skills, and you can become more skilled in creating habits, but it's not the same construct. Some people will never have the skill of, of a Usain Bolt running, but the habit of going to train, they're very different. Yeah, so, yeah. So yeah. The outlook is 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 different. I want I you know I think it's an important thing to bring forward to people is is when you're failing you're failing in creating a habit and you can just keep going back at it and re, you know reigniting these these wonderful yeah. steps to get where you're going. So it's not like you're failing to be able to run a hundred meters in in yeah. five yeah. seconds. Yeah, exactly. Let me fold it back onto uh, what we talked about in the earlier segment. So if you set a goal that you're going to be the next Hussein Bolt. Are you helping yourself feel successful? No. Okay. So this is, you know, if you set a goal that I'm going to be really consistent in, you know, putting on my walking shoes every day, great. Okay. That's helping yourself feel successful because that's easy to achieve. If you set a goal that you're going to be perfect and you're never going to fail in this quest, are you helping yourself feel successful? No. Okay. So it, it's those two sentences. Like if you forget everything else from the discussion Kathy and I are having, remember, in your quest to change, which is can be easier and faster than you think, help yourself do what you already want to do. Help yourself feel successful. And if you know setting your expectations at Hussein Bolt level is not doing that, don't do that. And if the expectation is you have to be perfect, don't do that. So just. Um, and, you know, some people, probably both of us and probably many people listening, we were raised as high achievers. So it does take some rewiring mm -hmm. and saying, no, it's okay that I'm imperfect on this. Or, oh, I missed playing my flute this morning because there was an emergency. So what? 
I'll do it tomorrow. You know, you don't get down, you don't break a chain or, you know, some people talk about streaks and keep the streak going. Well, if that helps you feel successful, do it. But for many people, it doesn't because your streak will break at some point. So I'm not a fan of streaks. It works for some people. It doesn't work for others. Well, I tell you, there's so many layers as far as the behaviorism of, of what you're teaching. And so it, mm-hmm. to me, it goes, it goes deeper than habits, right? Like you're really trying to invest in creating a better you and taking the load off. I think it goes way deeper. And I think it's such a valuable, valuable uh, thing to read and, and for, for you to talk about. And I think it's, it's a blessing on the world that you've, you know, you're giving people, um, it's not just steps to creating or breaking habits. It's also, it's also the ability to, to say it's okay to be proud of yourself without having, you know, achieving, having to achieve the highest of highest. It's just stepping back and saying, you know what? I did well. I did well at this one small thing. And you know what? We need that. We need that in this time. We need to be able to feel good about ourselves. So, so good on you. Where can we get your book? Um, everywhere books are sold. Uh, you can get them online. If you're going to airports, they're there and so on. Bookstores, local bookstores support them. Um, and there's an, uh, yes, the print version is great. The digital version is great. But I also recorded a special preface in the audio version, which I got Audible to put in front of the paywall. So if you can't afford a $15 book, I get that. Go to Audible and listen to my 15-minute preface that is only for the audio version and it's about my speaking voice and how I was teased and my struggles with my speaking voice and oh I'll say this Kathy when I read the draft to my partner before I actually recorded I broke down three times crying because I'm sharing stuff that is so uh, that is so emotionally charged for me So I guess what I'm saying is, yeah, get the book. The book will help you. I guarantee it. It will transform not just your habits, but how you think about yourself and how you interact with others. But if you can't, for some reason, you know, spend $15 right now, go listen to the audio preface because I do think it will show an example and give you hope that even for your most challenging of problems, problems where you feel like you have no control, problems where you feel like you have been unfairly blamed or teased, or, um, I mean, I literally, like the entire high school felt like, made fun of me uh, because of my voice. Um, You can get through that, and you can turn a weakness into a strength. Well, wonderful. It's been such a joy to speak with you. You're a light to the world and um, congratulations on the book. And it's, it's, it's a culmination of so many years of hard work. So I really do thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for letting me share Tiny Habits and uh, my work with others. It's been my greatest pleasure. And everybody will talk to you next week on the Health Hub.
You have been listening to The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi, here on Radio Maria Canada.